dark blue socks that were ill-fitting. Um, I just could not help but wonder, after all these months in sunny California, how are you still so fucking pasty and out of shape? tulips i got a week ago oh nice they still gave them to you (laughs) me my my best friend me (laughs) (laughs) your your biggest valentine (laughs) exactly um yeah i got them i think the day or the day before krista came over to record oh nice it was a super fun interview it was that was so nice yeah, it was uh it was fun having two Jews on. <laughs> yeah. We just need some more like dynamic female energy on the pod. Yeah, totally. Cuz so, we're uh, both we're both such uh Debbie Downers drags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we're uplifting and positive. So <laughs> It's funny because in in my mind when I talk on the recording, I'm like somewhat peppy and happy but then i then i play it back and i I sound like i'm suffering from clinical depression which i'm not maybe just have sad it is winter yeah i think we we as much as we're critical towards it we too both of us embody the wispy gay figuration (laughs) uh well it is about the body and um my body can get sad I'm uh, just trying to lose some weight. What can I say? I just got a bathroom scale to keep tabs on my uh, on my journey. Amazing. My intermittent fasting, which is uh, at day I think twenty five now. It's pretty impressive. I lost uh, um, I lost six pounds so far. Amazing! Congratulations. Thank you. Well, I'm not seeing any any difference in the <laughs> mirrors though. It'll it'll that'll happen at sixty. Uh, but as 60, <laughs> I don't have 60 pounds to lose, <laughs> but as my dad says, what you lost, I found. <laughs> Wait, so for, for every pound that I lose, you make the effort to, to gain. Yeah. I just gain it magically through osmosis. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just moved back to Berlin. So like you, you gotta do your like culinary rum spring. Uh, it's true. And uh, enjoy all the offerings, and plus the weather you've been telling me has been pretty, um, pretty amazing. So, oh, it's been so good. Like, like you've you've emerged out of your monastic <laughs> lifestyle. <laughs> totally. Uh, well, I'm doing like twenty thousand steps a day, which is amazing. Like that's, that's what good. I do when I'm on holiday. You know, like, yeah. So anywhere where someone's like, "Hey, let's meet up for coffee and for a walk." I'll walk there and it's like an hour walk each way, which is amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I am looking up my pedometer app now and I've, I've recorded some very sad days. For example, <laughs> February 17th, <laughs> which I cannot recall now what transpired that day. A thousand <laughs> steps. <laughs> oh, I can beat you. I have some <laughs> insane ones that are like 230 or something. <laughs> But like when you were still living in Poland, it would be technically impossible for you to record under like what five hundred, a thousand steps because the house is so big and like, <laughs> you, you do stuff outside the house. Like it requires moving your feet. No, but there were days where 
it was shockingly few. Like, yeah. Like, wait, March 9th? Oh, no, wait. No, wait, never mind. Oh, God, this is complicated. I don't know. There's there's truly days where it's been like a few hundred steps because I'm just yeah. like at home. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, as a friend told me, it's uh, it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality of the the intensity of your cardio yeah, that's um, true. effort. Like you can walk, you know, 30,000 steps a day. But if you're not gasping for, <laughs> for air, <laughs> regardless of uh, mask wearing or not, it's not going to really affect your, your weight yeah. loss. Um. I really like walking on an incline on a treadmill (laughs) and like alternating between 5% slope and 15% slope. Is that the the same in North America and Germany or is there a, uh, like a conversion thing happening? Uh, I think it's the same. Okay. Yeah. It's like the percentage, like the rise versus run. Yeah. And I found that was really good because you end up kind of really, exerting yourself on that incline but you only do it for like two minutes and then you go back down so oh for sure it's it's like a mini high intensity interval training yeah i, I, I mean i'm us- loving this fitness podcast yeah <laughs> i i mean i usually start my workout with about a like 10 minutes of intense cardio just to get the heart pumping and to break sweat yeah um i try to like hit a heart rate of like 130 and get some beads like a trickle <laughs> down my my uh, forehead, and then I'm ready to do my my thing. But the intermittent fasting has been pretty su- successful. Like I do the sixteen uh, eight method, mm-hmm. uh, and it's proven to be relatively easy. I mean, you just realize. Sorry for the cliche moment, but you just realize at some point that eating is a habit. It's, it's something that you do out of you know it's it's habitual, as I said. Like it's not out of yeah. necessity. Um, we're a pro healthy body image podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also into looking snatched in our spring summer tire. So yeah, we are gay after all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like in gay pounds. I'm like on death's door, <laughs> like get the crane to lift me out of bed. That's what but, my but BMI is in the gay world. <laughs> There is a constituency out there that's really into that. Yeah, but I'm not like a bear. I'm not like, grr, I'm hairy. <laughs> like, <laughs> Are all bears hairy, though? I think so. Then you get into those weird, like, otter territories. <laughs> I'm just Wait, not but- like the prototypical bear. I'm not just like, you know, I have a bit of chest hair and, you know, but it's light and fair and... You got some fuzz over your ass, no? <laughs> we did go to that Italian spa, you're right. Yeah, um, we did. But, yeah, I'm just not like bear. I fall between categories, which is what makes me special, and I embrace it. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah. What would be your category if you had to define one for yourself? <laughs> if you had to start a new one? Uh, Pashemic piss check. <laughs> no, I mean from the animal kingdom. <laughs> uh potato head potato i am mr potato head i'm no, it's just I'm potato mi- head. yeah i'm mix potato head <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm the non-binary potato figure now so yeah, yeah. I mean, which animal how- would you be um sorry kasha just uh went, went over to her <laughs> no the, the watering <laughs> hole <laughs> she's at the trough now <laughs> hydrating 
Uh, what would I be? You tell me. I mean, I think we're our own worst judges. Oh, you're like a lemur. <laughs> a lemur. <laughs> lemur. <laughs> is that a uh, is that a, a an actual standing gay term? Do I have to look it up? <laughs> I just made it up. Oh no, a lemur scary. Sorry, uh, X that. Um, yeah. A gazelle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am not a gazelle. <laughs> you're like a gazelle um especially once uh the if you're on kicks in (laughs) when is that gonna happen finally i think once once it's warmer you're gonna be outside more just like me you know yeah i just need to i need to to put down the spoon and fork because i just ate about 300 grams of pasta Just put down the spoon and fork and pick up the pitchfork and start uh, harvesting those crops. <laughs> pick up the hammer and sickle and uh, <laughs> go at it, comrade. <laughs> uh, it's funny because I went to the gym yesterday and I uh, I just had this like vivid memory of hitting the gym in Berlin back in the day. I think in uh, before I moved to vetting when I was still living in a Penstalberg, I was at mcfit i think like behind the so house oh yeah that one yeah and uh i just remember that there was uh never central air in any of those gyms and yeah. come summer being you know whatever however short it may be uh it would be like a sauna and it was oh no God. air and especially at the gym like i couldn't think of a worse place to not have like proper circulation oh totally. um and like what do they do during covid or gyms well, even <laughs> open no, no, they're still closed, but they they closed and then they reopened at some point, and then closed again. But I'm sure everyone got COVID because there was literally no ventilation. Yeah. Um, but that McFit was the worst. That one, and then the one that opened on Dam, which is a John Reed, one of their other brands. And that McFit used to go to also turned into that John Reed brand. Mm-hmm. But I just remember it was always so stuffy. People would open the windows. It didn't really help. Um, I'm surprised they let people open the windows. You're going to let the heat in. <laughs> One thing Germans are t- petrified of is a uh, Zug. Yeah, the draft. The, yeah, the, the Zug. Zug. Yeah. Um, um, but I, I mean, what, I my mom like, too, my whole childhood, it's like, really? close that. There's going to be a Pschachonk, which is like the same thing. I wonder what kind of superstitious, like, uh, what kind I'm of sure back like, in the medieval, day there was something medieval times, like superstition. It's sort of uh, yeah. it came it's like from. you're going to get a chill from the from this cold draft. That's like the idea. I mean, uh, when we were growing up, my parents, so my parents, my mother always told me to, uh, you know, never leave the house with wet hair. So like same. showering, washing your head and hair and leaving the house immediately, you'd catch a, you know, your death of cold <laughs> pneumonia. Uh, and that really stuck with me. So I never do that. But like, it, it just makes mm, no sense. Careful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how, how have you been enjoying your, uh, your Berliner Rumspringer? Oh, it's been good. I actually went to my first uh, exhibition opening. I mean, oh, nice. technically not an opening mm-hmm. uh, by law. <laughs> uh, let's just call it an exhibition preview uh, where one of the artists, friend of the pod, Stephanie Komalang, was uh, in attendance. And 
So the show is opening. Let me just check. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's opening March 6th, so it opened already. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's called So Close I Can See Inside of You. Um, Where is it? It's at Chert Luda uh, in Kreuzberg. And it's a really great show. Uh, there's quite a few artists. Uh, a few that I know of, but, uh, of course I know Stephanie the best and it was really nice to see her video installation, uh, which I'd seen a few years ago as a single channel video, but, uh, this was installed in a different format and, uh, she shot it in Hong Kong, uh, using a lot of drone footage and, uh, the work deals with, uh, Filipino domestic workers that live in Hong Kong, uh, and, when they congregate on, on Sundays in public spaces and kind of the digital lives they lead. Uh, so I highly recommend checking that out. Uh, it's a really awesome work. Um, is it, is it open to the public? Yes, it is now, but I believe you have to make an appointment. I think that's kind of what the, the stage we're at in Berlin is, um, like things are kind of open in limited ways, but yeah, I just went to the website and says the exhibition is open, by appointment, please book your appointment here. And it's uh, March 6th until April 17th. So check nice. it out. And there was some wine in the courtyard. Super mm-hmm. nice. Cute. And I so, saw Monica there, friend of the pod, Monica. Hey, Monica. Berlin Art Lang, uh, a soon to be source we'll be citing regularly. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, well, I went to the movies last week. Nice. That was that was a first. Um I'm actually I'm such an early adopter. Like I went the first day they reopened. Um I saw nice. Nomad Nomadland with uh Francis McDormand. McDormand, is that her name? From Fargo. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the rest of the cast is like uh they're not actors. It's the real people, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's the story of this woman who lives out of her van after uh, her husband dies. And uh, it's like a modern tale of the American frontier. People who live like off the grid, basically. Yeah. Um, it was nice. I shed a couple of tears, but uh, mm. not sure it deserves the Oscar it'll be nominated for. Um, mm. But people were just so excited to be in that space. Everybody was snapping pictures of the screen and... Uh, it was like properly socially distanced, and mm-hmm. it's good because they they retrofitted most of the movie theaters now in New York to to those like you know Barker loungers like uh, uh, yeah. uh, like Lazy Boys, which is pretty nice. You can make a reservation online because um, mm-hmm. that's one of the things. When I moved to New York, I just could never understand why they couldn't join the twenty first century and have like assigned seating, basically. Uh, like oh you, yeah, you'd but it's go such to a I- European thing, like usually. You also have it in Israel, but like you go to IFC here to the Angelica and you'd have to like get there really early and stand, stand online. Like it's like a Magnolia bakery, like, um, like new item drop or something. (laughs) Uh, New Yorkers just really love to stand online. Yeah. And the the fact that they say it online, the only place in America saying that. (laughs) (laughs) we're special yeah (laughs) you sure are (laughs) yeah uh the squeaky wheel of america um speaking of squeaky wheels uh have you watched (laughs) 
Have you watched the CBS interview? <laughs> Which uh, one, Amir? <laughs> <laughs> a few days ago with uh, a world-renowned uh, interviewer, Oprah Winfrey, best <laughs> friend of Gail. <laughs> Special friend you. of Gail. Their roommates. <laughs> uh, Gail's roommates with uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, which I don't even have to bother calling them by their royal titles because they're about to be taken away from them, I guess. Or have they been taken away from them already? Uh, and it's funny because we had this conversation the other day. I tried looking up the royal members' like full names and they don't have a full name. <laughs> They kind of do, but <laughs> um, they don't. <laughs> so, for example, Harry's full name is just a collection of four first names. Henry, Charles, Albert, David. Yeah. And then Prince There's, of Wales. Yeah. Um, yeah. And his dad's na- full name is, uh, what was it? Charles, Prince of Wales' full name. Uh, his name is Charles Philip Arthur George. Like, what is the deal with this collection of first names well it's like people i know with too many middle names uh like growing up in canada like i don't even have a middle name and then people had like four names girl you're not royalty yeah exactly uh, german nobility oh god (laughs) you're you're suburban trash like me okay yeah (laughs) i had some of those in my class at utica (sighs) it just makes you wonder because you know growing up in israel i'm absolutely not used to it and so obviously it appears to me very ridiculous as it should be in this post-royalty yeah. age um, um just think just about like, filling out forms say it again sorry i said just think about filling out forms i'm sure they love it and every opportunity they can they write down their long ass name with all the prefix uh, prefixes and uh just clinging on to those scraps of a past nobility yeah um oh and usually it's usually trash sorry oh yeah no they're trash uh, hello just google german royals like the fact that there are people still clinging on to being german royals and before germans uh get their german pitchforks out uh <laughs> that can apply to any country where there's no longer a monarchy but just Please Google them and see how inbred they are. Well, and they're even more—they're even more ugly than the yeah, Windsors. Yeah, they're way uglier than the Windsors. And there's something very pathetic about uh, the fact that legally you're not allowed to be a prince or a princess. So you've made it your uh, actual legal first name, prince or princess. Sad and pathetic. Sad. <laughs> um. Some royals who I will say are on the attractive end of the spectrum are what's her face from Belgium. Don't she's know. a she's a a handsome lady. Oh, the Swedish royals, they're attractive because Daniel, that fitness trainer uh, that Dan, married yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. Wait, yeah, no, Beatri- Beatrix is the Belgian uh queen, no? Or oh sorry, she's Dutch. Uh yeah. She's All that uh, Delft wear. Yeah. She's got she's got a great haircut, hairstyle, whatever that is. I can't tell who she reminds me of, but she looks like a I'm sure there's some bloody history uh a, a trail of blood in her history, but uh Yeah. Oh, um, interesting. 
I just Googled the Swedish Royals. Shout out to our Swedish listeners. There's many of you. Uh, love you. The King of Sweden removes royal titles from his five grandchildren in 2019. Maybe this is where they got the IT in the British royal family. Yeah. <laughs> Princess Madeline's and Prince Carl Philip's children are no longer princess, uh, princes or princesses. Um, and so Prince Carl, is that him? There's like a hot one that looks Spanish, which makes sense since various Spanish kings and queens uh, married in. And, but who's the one with the uh, glasses? Is he the husband of the princess? Because he looks like a Sotheby's snake oil salesman. Yeah. So that's the fitness trainer. He's gotten less hot. No, no. No, oh, no. The one with the glasses is not the fitness trainer. No way. No, no. That was the fitness trainer. Really? Yes, I'm pretty sure that's a fitness trainer. He has no lips. <laughs> um uh yeah, so okay, so we watched it. Um the foreign press thinks Oprah is someone no one's heard of. <laughs> it's like, "Oh, sorry, she's not Pierce Morgan." <laughs> yeah. That mess. What a mess. Um Anywho, I uh, refused to watch it for a couple of days because uh, I just didn't want to dignify it with, you know, giving it giving it attention. But it's bound to happen. Yeah, but literally everyone's talking about it, so you can avoid it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is what is your general takeaway in just a few words, and then we'll delve into the details. Okay. Obviously, this is a very uh, complex, dense thing to unravel. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry, I have something in my throat. <laughs> Maybe from wearing my KN95 mask. Oh, no. A fiber. Maybe um, it's the Germ- German po- pollen of the season. <laughs> pollen. Um <laughs> Uh, I just, okay, my first thought is they just should have not done this interview. Mm-hmm. I just feel like they're above it, even though these things that have been very upsetting for them and traumatizing in ways, I just, I don't know why they did the interview. I know Oprah said they were not paid for it, but was the foundation paid for it? Oh, the foundation was paid for it. They got like seven or ten million dollars, which is come on, it's a slush fund. Yeah. So I don't know why else you would do it because what's going to change by going on an Oprah primetime special and doing it? Is it is the end result just like embarrassing your family to? I don't know get the security provided for that you wanted. Mm-hmm. I don't know because I, it's, that's, I don't think that's like uh, holding anyone to account. It's like that whole family is just like corrupt and racist and shady. So it's like, what right. are you going to change by doing a primetime special? I mean, I found it extremely emotionally manipulative basically. Um, and let's just say that Harry, <clears throat> sorry, Harry's not exactly the sharpest tool in the shed. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't come across as very, as a, he's just a bit of a beta. Yeah. And, uh, generation beta, generation beta. I feel like he just strikes me as a good husband, I guess. 
good enough of a husband to just follow Megan's needs at even a destructive cost to, you know, the family ties and relationships and obligations. Mm-hmm. Um, I will just say um, the only thing I'm very critical of is any spouse who would either intentionally or unintentionally throw such a wedge between the husband, the wife and the family, like cause such a rift for whatever reason uh, is I think just egregious and very irresponsible, like no matter the circumstances. And it didn't seem like, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it didn't seem like the Royal family's sort of actions against the needs of Megan and Harry were, sort of that ruinous uh to them that they had a you know a good enough reason to just uproot and cut sever the ties like i don't yeah. know they're family members like like they're not going to see each other they're not going to be in each other's lives now for the foreseeable future and there's all this anger now and frustration between the uh between the two sides i don't know yeah I mean, well, as I've seen a few memes that are, you know, the uh, Queen Elizabeth II holding the okay, not okay uh, color chip. Uh, And then a friend of the pod, Rachel, writing people being shocked that the most destructive force in the history of the world, the the British monarchy, is racist, is hilarious to me. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's true. Exactly. Uh, And again, like, it's not okay in any way at all that she was subject to racism within this family that she married into or this firm that she became part of as you know people keep saying um but also why why are you being so shady like you call out a person who you refuse to identify i know just say who it is just say fucking charles is a racist because he probably is it clearly wasn't the queen like i don't even think they were trying to protect the queen because you could tell when they were talking about her they did seem like warm and cheerful about it and like, sorry to be the us weekly body language expert about it. Yeah. But I think genuinely they do have admiration for her kind of as the queen and also as the grandmother and the matriarch of the family. Mm -hmm. Um, I think obviously it's like Prince Charles is the issue and they should have just said it since he cut him off already. Anyway, I, um, I don't know. I also don't don't sort of. I don't believe half of the things they were saying. It seems like everything was sort of uh, amped up for you know maximal effect. Um, I don't know. It was just kind of grotesque and embarrassing to watch at parts. Like I ask myself, why why am I being made privy <laughs> to this? Yeah. Uh, I just felt it was felt like a a hostage hostage situation where I'm being sort of roped into their uh airing of dirty laundry yeah. and um also like there's there is a, a modicum of you know self-victimization here because like do me a favor you're millionaires and you're sitting with this billionaire host lamenting about yeah. things that most of the people in america who are suffering during covid now who have lost a job uh a majority of them are women of color um i don't know if they're you know seeing megan as sort of the poster child to look up to as you know their leader because she's clearly enormously entitled yeah and um no and she's white passing and has that privilege and there's the class privilege as well and that's 
that's being unacknowledged like on their part i think and also she's you know she came from hollywood don't uh i'm just not particularly buying the sort of narrative of naivete that she came into this sort of a tabula rasa like like blank slate sort of and was just shocked by how things kind of developed and transpired like you you had to navigate the sort of the dirty jungle of the hollywood sort of environment for years and this is something that all of a sudden shocks you yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly that's the thing it's um you know i believe the things that actually happen that she said but the the things i don't believe are the oh i had no idea about like what it means to be royal or like i didn't google my husband it's like yeah bullshit please everyone googles everyone yeah um and then in terms of not knowing kind of what the monarchy or the royal family is like how come i'm familiar with that just by again <laughs> osmosis just like a lifetime of these people being on tv and just seeing how this is functioning and how it's a shit show yeah you know it's unavoidable and it's something that just constantly exists it's not like a politician or celebrity that can ebb and flow like they are this permanent fixture so she just she leveled all these claims that are impossible to refute like between the you know her mental health state and the racism uh accusations like it's all stuff that it's just slightly exploitative because you can't refute it, but at the same time, it completely tarnishes the other side immediately. And I'm absolutely not defending yeah, yeah. the firm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they, it's like they're already tarnished anyway. So it's like, it's like going into it, I'm like, I just assume they're already racist and people are saying these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Harry is just like, like you said, not the sharpest knife or he's naive or I don't know the whole thing too. He just, he just sounded like he was force fed one too many Robin D'Angelo webinars (laughs) in his language. He just, he appeared a bit as a, you know, as a hostage sort of making claims that he was forced to make. Well, I I think, um, I mean, I could definitely see jealousy happening with Kate. Oh, for sure. And William, where it's like, oh, Harry has the charming, beautiful, engaging wife. And um, Kate looks like she got trapped in the Primark makeup department. <laughs> she still famously does her own makeup. <laughs> <laughs> you, Bravo. You go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, beat that face and also she she married the fugly one <laughs> yeah i saw this meme today that was like um when he was diana's son he looked hot like when he was yeah. a teen and then and then diana snatched those jeans away when he became charles yeah and it's true it's like it's this night and day physical difference when totally um Okay, so then on CTV News Canada, uh, there was a story yesterday. It was like PM, Prime Minister, um, speaking of betas, uh, Justin Trudeau, (laughs) sidesteps commenting on royals, says solution not dismantling monarchy. And then he basically just defends them in the whole 
story. And it's like, oh, uh, yeah, so obviously there's racism in these institutions, but we can't just, like, get rid of the institutions. We have to change them. It's like, how are you going to change this, like, corrupt mafia family whose Mm -hmm. whole M.O. has always just been, like, racially killing people all around the world? Like, nothing's changed. It's like Prince Philip's a Nazi. Harry wore that Nazi costume. Right. Like, ugh. I'm like, as a Canadian, get rid of the monarchy. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Um, oh, my God. I totally forgot what I was going to say. Um, oh, yeah. One, one, one sort of circle I can't seem to square is the fact that when she first kind of came on the scene and started dating Harry, the tabloids were all over her in the most you know adoring terms yeah like i still remember it her coverage was really positive it was glowing i remember and the wedding was covered in the most you know glowing uh ways she was truly adored and then something obviously switched she also strikes me as a i'm really trying to mince my words here she's not she doesn't strike me as the most fair player and I think to a certain extent, she has earned the tabloids' disdain or sort of sea change in how they cover her. Um, I don't know that anyone deserves to be treated like that, but at the same time, like, has life in the limelight and Hollywood not prepared you at all to how to navigate uh, a less than adoring media? Yeah. Well, sh- she she wasn't used to it because she never actually did much that's the thing she was on that game show holding briefcases and then she was on suits which like no one's heard of yeah so i don't think she was like a i mean for like um those pathetic like toronto karens uh like ben mulrooney's wife jessica who's a racist b um allegedly um uh, <laughs> You know, they were like wowed by her because like, oh, she's an American actress shooting a TV show in Toronto. But like no one's heard of her like up yeah. until the the Harry thing. Um, it's just that it's a big cesspool <sighs> and I hate that we're being asked to sort of pick sides here. Yeah. Because it, it's a lesser evil choice, basically. Yeah, yeah because I think it's like... In the end, it's a team no one situation. Yeah. Because I just think it's like, obviously, no one should be subjected to like abuse, racism, having their mental health fucked around with. Um, but just this interview and like, this is how you're dealing with your familial, I don't know. Yeah. She just doesn't. It's it's kind of similar to you know Hillary's Clinton, Hillary Clinton's plight as sort of this feminist, a um, kind of soldier for the cause. It just strikes yeah. me that Megan is maybe not the best person to sort of advance the causes she sort of stands behind. Like you're not yeah. a, you're, like I don't know, tr- trying to sort of. Uh, be the critical face of a history of colonial sort of uh, exploitation and this outdated institution that's been yeah. you know, murderous throughout the world. Like, 
I don't know that this like very narcissistic person is exactly the person to bring on that change. I know. And I think it's just so run all the way down and because it's, it's not just the family, but there's this whole institution around it and all these basically like bureaucrats. And I think that's also what spun out of control because she had all this glowing press. And then when things started going south with other members of the Royal family, such as, you know, William's alleged affairs and then like Prince Andrew being on the Lolita Express with Weinstein and Clinton. Um, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, those people within Buckingham Palace then to all their like cozy, you know, tabloid news sources are basically like, OK, now deflect onto her. And she right. just became the scapegoat for for all that because as the as the special said, like they have this very symbiotic uh, relationship that they need that press to in the end be on their side just so there's like public consensus that the royal family should still be in charge and you know the queen should be head of state. It was also hard to watch it and not think that at the end this was sort of a way for them to promote any future uh ventures like business ventures yeah. of theirs to sort of you know portray themselves in a light in a light positive enough to sort of contribute to yeah. all of their future business dealings from yeah. like the netflix deal or their stupid podcast or yeah any archwell endeavor <laughs> the foundation slash media production company yeah. um well, obviously, all the productions are going to touch on kind of these three key issues that were addressed as themes. But I think instead of doing the interview, they should have just. But that's so that's so cynical. To I know. Alleg- allegedly, you know, uh, have been given two hours to reveal your soul. But if yeah. anything, it was just a commercial for your future endeavors. Yeah. But I think they should have just. It's like with the productions just not done the interview and then through the productions like maybe lift other people's voices who like really have a story to tell well they can't because they're just self-involved people because like you said it's like you know they're especially during covid it's like there are women of color dealing with a million times worse than she dealt with and it's like sorry i'm not saying it's a race or a game or something but it's like there are people struggling to survive and just stay alive with their basic needs. Yeah. He also um, at some point, you know, talks about his, uh, his, he professes his white privilege. And I'm like, sorry, that's not white privilege per se. You're a fucking royal. That's a very unique and specific yeah. privilege that only a select few uh, globally uh, get to be born into. Yeah. Um. Again, team no one. Yeah, team. Um, uh, actually, team, team, team Oprah. Team Oprah. Um, <laughs> get, get that syndication money, or sorry, uh, right selling money, because it was everywhere. It was like on Polish TV the next day, German TV. Like yeah. every international broadcaster had their version the next day, which is insane. Like I can't remember the last time there's been this kind of media event, mm-hmm. um, you know, where everyone's like tuning in or talking about it at the right. water cooler digitally. Yeah, it's crazy that Oprah manages to uh to pull that like in 2021 something that, you know, I remember from growing up these like bombshell 
interviews that everyone would tune into. Yeah. It feels like in our sort of short attention span age doesn't happen much anymore. Yeah. Well, I think it was, I read this article about it and it was interesting because they all have their different media deals. Like Oprah has her Apple TV plus deal. Uh, Megan and Harry have like their Netflix, Spotify, et cetera. So it couldn't really go to any streaming service. Mm-hmm. So that's why Oprah really pushed for it being on broadcast TV, like on a major network. And, you know, she's done stuff on 60 Minutes before. Uh, her roommate, Gail, is uh, at the CBS Early Morning. <laughs> um, and so it it can only stream now on, on the CBS website for the next 30 days. And yep. it's not going to be on streaming anywhere after. But this is what really made it a major event. Because even though there have been so many cord cutters over the last few years, still it's like most people have you know access to the major networks in the U.S. Right. Um, well, uh, one question that came to my mind as I was watching Harry talk sitting in his J. Crew suit. <laughs> with ugly-ass brown <laughs> shoes and yeah. like white socks or something <laughs> uh blue dark blue socks that were ill-fitting um i just could not help but wonder after all these months in sunny california how are you still so fucking pasty and out of shape it's uh as those memes said um you were concerned about the baby skin color look at the skin of the family yeah it's like he has that sickly thin skin like he he has that baby fat but the top layer of skin looks so see-through that you just see the blood coursing through him yeah it's uh it's pure coincidence that his uh, facial features sort of come together into something that's uh has a modicum of attractiveness because like if you take apart the the items that's it's no good like between the paper thin skin the sort of the other inbred elements uh, in his body, but he's altogether he looks he's he is an attractive man. Yeah, um, I mean he's the most attractive of any of the royals. Period for sure. Yeah, um, and at least he doesn't do that gnarly like undershave thing that straight God. men do these days, where the, the chin areas uh, completely yeah. shaved off. He does not have the jawline for that. Um, and Megan is the most beautiful woman who's ever been in that family. Yeah, true. But there's just something about, you know, beauty is not just external. There's something about her internal, perhaps lack of beauty (sighs) or sincerity that kind of takes away from her Mm. external appeal. Maybe I'm just being a nasty gay. <laughs> I don't know. She just, I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. She rubs me the wrong way. Also, can Congress just pass a bill, like uh, not allowing any royal family members to reside totally. in the States, especially the very same country that America fought a civil war, sorry, yeah. an independence war to uh, remove the shackles off from? Yeah. Um <laughs> Uh, our other favorite Megan, Megan McCain. <laughs> oh, she had bitch. a lot to say. Yeah, of course she did. She talks in her sleep. Oh my god! Oh my god! Just not going there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Look, I'm just weary of actors. Period. Oh, absolutely. It, that, it I takes, guess that's why she rubs me the wrong exactly. way. Exactly. It's yeah. like it's like She's theater thirsty. kids, actors. Everyone, they're all thirsty. It's like, that's, it's a certain personality type. It, no one, like, 
especially that kind of actor. It's not like, oh, I love the craft. Like, this is, you know, the craft of acting. And um, also, I, you, you know, were the I'm suitcase just, girl on, like, that yeah, shitty exactly. game show. <laughs> I mean, at the risk of finally getting canceled, I will just go ahead and say it. Um, you all know it, but every family has that person. <laughs> who is very tr- not even trigger happy but is very sort of light on the switch on the bottom on the bottom uh, on the button sorry to drive a wedge between family members or stir the pot in a way that's very inconsiderate towards yes. sort of the greater structure of the nuclear family and I'll say it again I said in the beginning of the recording I think it's treacherous for a partner no matter the circumstances, unless there's, you know, violence, abuse, uh, to drive a wedge between the spouse and his or her family members. I think it's terrible. I mean, I have it in my family and it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, we all have in our families. We have close friends. We hear their stories and it's sadly a thing, a tale as old as time of someone marrying into a family and driving the wedge and it's all about the new family. So yeah. please ignore the fact that you have a mother and a father and siblings, nieces and nephews, and I'm your family now. So just forget them. Which, that's what happened hundreds of years ago. Yeah. And I mean, especially um, especially in her case, coming from a, a broken family. Yeah. She, it's yeah, not she like was, she, she, it's not like she brings a, you know, a perfect example of a family structure to the fraud family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like a yeah, it's like someone from a damaged family coming into another damaged family. Yeah. And it it was just a I think a recipe for disaster. <sighs> well, the que- the question remains, was she a silent or a silenced? <laughs> <laughs> and I just I just gestured it to you couldn't yeah. see it, but I did the hand gesture. Um <sighs> Anyway, fuck Charles and Camilla, okay? Those fucking racist mutants. Yeah. And if you want to get a good chuckle out of it, uh, watch the Tracy Ullman show on HBO. She does (laughs) the meanest Camilla (laughs) impression. It's spot on. It's really well done. Um, Yeah, that family is just disgusting. I'm very happy I don't live in the UK just for that. Yeah. Um whatever team no one team okay. no one team no one but team anti-racism yep and uh, mental health yes um okay i guess that settles it i hope uh the brits don't burn the white house again as a yeah. result of this fraught conversation yeah um <laughs> okay can we can we, can we mo- move on to even dumber topics of conversation yes no? okay i've prepared uh, prepared some really dumb lightning round items for us <laughs> um as we segue back into the arts which um, the art world should just cease to exist at this point after what's totally. been happening over the last few year a uh, few weeks sorry a few weeks it feels like it's really hit a uh, all-time low yeah, this whole NFT thing. I, I'm just not only growing so disinterested in what happens, I find it uh, repulsive to the point where I just don't even uh, keep up with the news. 
anymore yeah well one of the museums in beijing is doing an nft exhibition with like it just this whole nft thing feels like actually reserve your thoughts for the lightning yeah (laughs) topic items um okay let's start with the first one damien hurst has made a foray into the fast-rising crypto art market. The British artist is selling a series of eight prints called The Virtues, which depict cherry blossoms in bloom. And for those interested in buying them, he is willing to accept cryptocurrency, an unusual gesture for a blue-chip artist. Um, Each print is named after one of the eight virtues of Bushido, a samurai code of ethics, justice, courage, mercy, politeness, honesty, honor, loyalty, and control. Few artists of Hearst's stature have taken advantage of cryptocurrency, a digital form of payment that some art market uh, uh, prognosticators are still having trouble understanding. Your thoughts? <laughs> um, okay, boomer. Okay, yeah, okay, tubby boomer and i say that as a fellow fatty um he's so embarrassing uh everyone in this whole nft scene or latching onto it is embarrassing uh like wait hold on technically (sighs) speaking this a uh this print edition uh is a physical edition that has nothing to do with nft he's just oh okay yeah, he just accepts but, cryptocurrency, much like Tesla's latest uh, change of policy. Like whatever. <clears throat> and sorry, is this for is this edition uh, for charity? Because I read one of them is doing uh, something. Oh no, that was a Banksy thing for charity. Never mind. Um, right, no. no, yeah, okay, Boomer. I mean, he just needs to retire. He's so rich, and he's such a tacky artist, and he's just so annoying. Like. There's too much spilled ink on him, you know? <laughs> and the whole NFT thing, it's like just trying to get headlines. That's why there's yeah, an it's N- just, there, it's, or, it's, or, a, or a crypto thing or whatever. Yeah, it's just the attention economy. I feel like this is this is a, a nothing burger, no news. Like, the only reason we're talking about it is because somebody, you know, clicked on a few key, uh, keys on yeah. their keyboards and published it. Yeah, Otherwise, because... it's not news. Yeah, and and the people publishing it know that if these buzzwords du jour like um, crypto, Bitcoin, tokens, NFT are in the story, it's going to rank higher on Twitter, Facebook, Google searches, etc. So, like, for example, um, you know, love our friends at Artnet News um, and love, you know, sexy daddy Kenny Schachter. But his opinion piece, are NFTs the next tulip bubble? Kenny Schachter doesn't care. And he sold his own grandma on the crypto web to prove it. And then it's just like um, a glossary of terms. Mm-hmm. And it's such an okay boomer uh, story. It's <sighs> just this like logoria type that reminds me of Stefan's... Um presentations on weekend update on snl where it's just a barrage of like terms that just like fly over your head i I have no idea what they're talking about it dates back to like six seven years ago when all those like panels at art fair started with hans uh 
with uh, uh, Hans uh, Ulrich talking about the blockchain and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I sound like a boomer, like calling it the blockchain. But like, <laughs> what are you talking about? I have no idea what these terms mean, what they stand for. And, yeah, uh, I just don't care. It's like, I just, I'm like, the only good thing that could come out of the blockchain in the art world is like artists getting paid. But how is the blockchain going to help that when you send someone an invoice and you're like, bitch, you owe me $6,000 US and you're not paying me. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now we have to go this, to court. <laughs> yeah. Digital court. Yeah. These, these whole sort of last few months in the art world and the art press, it just felt like somewhat of a home invasion where like all these sneaker beeple heads <laughs> all of a sudden are sitting on your couch in the living room and like, you're you're unwelcome anymore in your own home like how to like get out of my house yeah <laughs> what is this bullshit oh sorry i have to make a correction the um sexy daddy kenny Schachter story is an actual story and then there's another one that's the glossary so i have to read mm-hmm. the actual nft tulip bubble story but why is someone who's like into legitimate things uh all about nfts now hmm I this this just uh this is fishy this whole sad okay but speaking of virtues um the seven heavenly virtues chastity temperance charity diligence patience kindness and humility which are you you can choose a few uh wait can I can I refer to uh Maimonides uh ladder of charity (laughs) That's the, that's the only, uh, that's the only terms I'm uh, able to uh, grapple with. Um, well, you're going to have to repeat your terms because I'm such a, I'm such a Jew. I have, I can't even remember them. Chastity. No. Temperance. <laughs> eh. No. Charity. I'm charitable as much as I can be like with my time and, uh, I mean, I, I, would I donate like to, to online of- things. I th- well, it's not, I don't think it's charity in the material sense per se. I think it's a, a sort of charity of the spirit, perhaps. Yeah, and that's something that I would like to think that I am, but I'm probably not. <laughs> no, I feel like you're a very empathetic person, and you're there for people in times of need. Oh, thanks. Okay, so What's we're the, okay. We're not chast, like duh. No, <laughs> we're Samantha. I'm, I'm more of a Pete. I'm more of a Pete Buttigieg <laughs> than a chast. <laughs> okay, we're definitely not temperance because we like to get our drink on. Um, okay, we're charitable. Diligence. I'd say we're both diligent. Yeah. Patience. We're not patient. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> Neither I mean, of us I, are patient. <laughs> I, I mean, I think we're not patient, but we. We live in peace with the fact that there's no choice but to be patient, as yes. it, you know, pertains to our careers, et cetera, et cetera. Like we're yeah. we're very uh, sort of antsy, but we're forced to live in a world where we have to be patient. Exactly, and I think we're both like we recognize that life is a marathon and not a sprint. Exactly, and I think that's important. Okay, mm-hmm. kindness. We're both definitely really kind. Um. I mean, I pick and choose. <laughs> <laughs> Humility. Okay, we're both definitely very humble. Oh, no, I've, I've heard from people that I'm a narcissist. Bitch, please. I mean... Like, according to what? 
I mean, performatively, we're humble. No, I, whatever. I don't think I'm the best judge of myself. No, you're you're humble. You're full of humility. Well, I can't have a piece of humble pie until my eight, 16 hour <laughs> fasting window ends. So, <laughs> what was Uh-oh. the last one? Oh, just humility. Oh, okay. Yeah, was, there's seven. There's, but look, I I didn't know any of these. I only knew um, charity because I went to school at the charity, mm-hmm. um, and because we were total mean girls and we would like call her chastity. <laughs> <laughs> did she have a belt on uh no she was like really sexy so we're like hey chastity yeah oh my god i was we were such mean girls in high school just terrible um okay let's move on to the next uh lightning item um let's see this is a no-brainer okay british museum seeks curator for a big job and not much money the British Museum is hiring an experienced curator to oversee a comprehensive redisplay of the galleries as a part of the museum's new master plan. The redisplay intends to make it easier to understand the connections between different cultures, both ancient and modern. Uh, the lead curator's salary is £48,169 for a 24-month contract. Art critic Jason Farrago pointed out on Twitter, the enduring problem with the British Museum and other London, London institutions, a curator experienced enough to take on a job as difficult and important as this does now work for 80, uh, 48K. And just, just to mention, the, uh, British, uh, the British Museum came under fire in recent years for mis- misrepresenting the Americas. Uh, they lumped together North and South America, and it also marginalized its Africa display displays uh they located them in the basement <laughs> oh my god <laughs> shocker uh so what do you have to say about this new listing this <laughs> underpaid listing uh not surprised uh mm-hmm. of course despicable of course uh a child of wealth and privilege will get that job mm-hmm. um and it's in london right i'm assuming yeah. it's yeah. yeah okay so I think even in a city that's low cost of living, like if this was in Winnipeg, Canada, it would still be really low Mm -hmm. for that kind of job and opportunity and the credentials that you need to get to that point in your career and the money you put into education. Um, Yeah, it's just, oh my God. It's like, okay, defund the police, defund museums. Because like, basically because they're full of shit it's like there's ceos and leadership of museums making like a million dollars a year bloated salaries yeah like insane bloated management and really they're just pushing around papers and then then from the bottom up everyone that gets to that point is so underpaid whether it's like Mm -hmm. cleaning staff security guards art handlers and then but then even these kind of very white collar positions like a curator super underpaid too like i'm sorry forty eight thousand pounds in one of the most expensive cities in the world is insane i mean i have the perfect ashamed. Can- i have the perfect candidate for this uh, position <laughs> is she from an arms dealing family <laughs> and a curator <laughs> Uh, I was actually just thinking of uh, <laughs> Meghan Markle, who would be great for this job. <laughs> oh, 
she apparently does not need the money and she could have served you know as uh as a royal member uh, of the family and uh, advanced her cause. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I think okay. the, ar- the alleged arms dealer daughter should take it. Actually, not alleged. It's a fact. Why am I even pitter-pattering? It is a fact. Or yeah. one of her dumbass friends can take it. Okay, next. Yeah. Okay. Um, the rise of the artist talent agency. Artists are increasingly eschewing the traditional gallery model in favor of entertainment-style talent agencies. Hollywood's endeavor... Uh, sorry, Hollywood's Endeavor, Creative Artists Agency, and United Talent Agency have sections for the visual arts. And there is also a growing number of startups focused specifically on brand building for individual artists. These include Southern Partners, founded by former Blaine Southern partner Graham Southern, which has started, which has started, Allegedly. With, <laughs> which has started working with Bill Viola and um, Elias Symes? Symes? Sorry, botching this pronunciation. It's okay. Thoughts. You're 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 E A L. Um, <laughs> um. Okay. Without naming names, I think it's interesting that you can close a business in one place and have uh, allegedly unpaid invoices, and then just start another business. First of all, well, that's uh, that's how it works in America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those um, are the, that's the bankruptcy protections you yeah, get here in the states. Yeah, allegedly, a certain Warhol Align magazine did that a lot to people uh, we know. Uh, is that even allegedly? <laughs> I think it was uh, it was taken to court and adjudic- adjudicated there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, but I'm like the Wendy Williams legal department. I just allegedly everything. Um, well, she runs her mouth all the time to have, to have legal protections. <laughs> they must have crazy insurance, like legal yeah. insurance. <laughs> Yeah, um, for like the same amount that Beyonce uh, insures her ass or JLo <laughs> when they insures her mouth. Her mouth. <laughs> um, um, okay. Well, I guess my I guess my question to you: Would you be open to uh, uh, signing on to one of those uh, artists uh, talent agencies? Oh, definitely. It's like um, I'm sure like the Alex Israels and Chloe Wises of the world are there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, hooking you up with like a Dior bag collaboration and um, some I sort guess of. Maybe I'm. I don't understand exactly what opportunities these talent agencies can offer you that a gallery couldn't. I guess I'm not understanding the intrinsic differences I, between the two I'm structures. Assuming, I'm assuming it's brand partnerships because I remember the articles a few years ago when this was happening. You know, like the. Uh, endeavor caa and uta art departments and i think it really is about brand partnerships because they're it's like the whole business operates on making these deals happen whereas i feel like most people in galleries don't actually understand any of this but i like mean you would think most, that graham you'd think that graham southern will be able to offer you more than a uh you know a l'envant collaboration yeah. or a, no for or, sure but but also i did, i just don't get why this article is positioning it as one or the other i think the way it's working is artists are still working with galleries like these big artists but mm-hmm. they're also signing on to these talent agencies because they're going to connect you with with these huge brands because of course a brand could come and reach out to you but i don't think any gallery is like pounding the pavement and 
knocking on doors and uh, trying to make like the Dior bag collaboration happen unless they're coming to you. So probably the talent agency is like being very proactive in, Mm -hmm. uh, in brand partnerships. Like that's what's happening. And I don't think galleries are adept at that. They're still, they're basically glorified shops as they said on AbFab. (laughs) Like, right. You know, they're really selling a physical good and that's the basis of the business. So they're kind of like, you know, they're just kind of, they just can't deal with that. It's too complicated for them. I think. I mean, my only reservation about this type of partnership, and I don't mean to sound like a snob or an elitist, but I honestly would never want any of my paintings printed on a fucking shawl or a throw (laughs) or a bag. It's, I find it so deplorable for myself. Like, I think the bags Uh, are pathetic. The bags are so lame. I just truly don't understand the need to expand into that territory. Yeah. It's like you do, you do you, whatever is good for you. But I personally find it deplorable. Yeah. I mean, the thing is like the artists who are always doing these kind of top line collaborations are already super wealthy. Like they've already sold millions of dollars worth of work, but I guess when you're in that space of your career and someone's like, Hey, here's another $2 million to do this collaboration. It's like, sure. Yeah. I'll buy a house in LA. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's similar to, uh, you know, Damien Hurst's embarrassment of riches. where like, yeah. what should I do today? Oh, let's sell some work for cryptocurrency. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would be in like a Sony ad or like, I would be in like a Bosch power tools ad. Yeah, um, I but, would. I would love to be featured on like a a book cover. Ooh, that's that, good. That's actually my dream. Like, uh, um, acquaintance of the pod, Paul P, just had a. Uh, I'm not sure if it just happened, but he just posted it the other day on Instagram that a painting of his, a portrait, is uh, featured on a cover of an Elizabeth Bowen. Oh, nice. Um, novel by uh, it's published by Penguin, and that's like that's a fucking dream. Like, if I yeah. could like handpick my most you know favorite author to be featured on one of their you know novels yeah no that is amazing that would be a dream come true and it's nice i mean there is something nice when you encounter your own work in unexpected times and situations but also in a dignified context where the where there's true like dialogue and symbiosis between exactly yeah yeah because like a fucking bag do me a favor well and the bags were ugly like yeah, they I'm are sorry. ugly. They're all ugly, and those Jeff Koons bags were ugly. Oh, I don't remember them even. You know, like the Jeff Koons gazing ball series, where it's you know like a Michelangelo painting with a gazing ball. Yeah. So the basically, art pop. yeah, <laughs> we're not going there. That's for another <laughs> the, episode. The art flop. <laughs> art flop. Uh, we should just call this episode art flop. Uh, uh, <laughs> no i saw one of those bags on a friend and like what was cool about it was the digital print on leather like on a quality Mm -hmm. leather it did look nice but it's just so stupid as a jeff coons a jeff coons work which is like a michelangelo painting it didn't have the gazing ball like at least if there was Mm -hmm. like a really nice you know like a mirrored metal component or something but it just it feels like print on demand garbage like oh we'll just put like this painting you already made on this bag but you know, like, and it, just to play devil's advocate, in his case, being that he's such a big name, I 
I wouldn't mind getting something from the like the merch realm of his. Yeah, yeah. But like no, for definitely. artists, for artists of our stature, like why would you make merch of your yeah. own work? Like who's interested in that? Yeah, and I I just think that also their practices aren't being explored enough in these collaborations and products because yeah. like um, there was like the Chabalala self um, bags in that it was the Louis Vuitton collaboration I believe, and you know this is an artist that works with textiles and collage of those textiles. And there's so much you could do with that with a bag, mm-hmm. even if it is leather and has to be produced to this very high level. But instead it's just like, and here's a print on the bag of like what the paint, you know, the fabric you works look like her, hers specifically or in general. Uh, well, all the bags are just prints, but I'm saying like that was an opportunity where that bag could have become a more interesting object. You know, they just had to work with the designer, you know, one of the accessories designers. And you can make this really cool object that is a collaboration between the artist and the the house. Uh, Same with Jeff Koons, where, you know, there's so much happening in terms of these interesting 3D objects and and processes. And again, that's being completely thrown out the window. They just want like the shortcut method of like, well, we'll print the graphic on the bag. And it just feels so cheap. I'm looking up the pictures of the Louis Vuitton bags. There's a, I'm sorry. It's just, it's, it's disgusting to me. Like why, yeah. why does Sam falls have a Louis oh Vuitton bag? His work is so gorgeous and thoughtful. Like why does it have to be on a fucking rich bitch's bag? Um, well, because it's Urs, like they're Urs Fisher with a dangling banana off the bag. Um, Jonas Wood, whatever he deserves then. <laughs> I mean, the Alex and, Israel and one too. It's just like Alex Israel's bag is really nice. Actually, that's, it's that's nice, a, but it's a it fun just, bag. It's fun, but I just feel like there could be more. And I don't know if it's his. Like I don't think it's his fault, but it's the whole project as a whole, where it's just it's like the easy way out of something that's so expensive. Like they have the means to to do more. It's not that these bags cost like five hundred euro even. Like they cost thousands. So I mean, I'm I'm in no position to give any artists uh, emerging or established any advice, but the only thing I will say is resist the temptation. <laughs> Not everything has to be commercialized or turned into merch. Yeah, unless you're going to get paid so much you can buy a house. So because that will change your life. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like that will have tarnish your reputation. Reputation, so that if you do do that, it should be your sort of on your way out. Last hurrah, mm-hmm. doing this really embarrassing collab <laughs> and retiring. <laughs> or maybe it'll take you to the next level of the career because then those basic bees will just keep buying the paintings at your uh, blue chip gallery. So <laughs> I, I just fucking hate this uh, this sort of vast universe of opportunities. Why must artists sort of spread their tentacles into every possible? <laughs> Uh, sort of medium just why like i don't have that need yeah i don't wake up in the morning and ask myself like uh uh, what medium can i appropriate or sort of invade now i'm interested in in the painting and the format that i'm exploring and i just i honestly don't see how it's conducive in any form or shape to like end up on a fucking bag yeah Especially if you're rich already. Just like, move on. No, I mean, if you're rich already, it makes perfect sense to me, but just the other (laughs) way around. Whatever. Bye, team no one. Yeah, team no one. Um, Okay. You doing anything fun this week? Um, 
what am I doing? Well, it's supposed to rain every day. Uh, today was oh. today was amazing. I went for coffee with a friend. Um, uh, I had a photo shoot a few days ago. Oh, in the nude <laughs> with this body, mm-hmm. <laughs> with this Botero figure. <laughs> you just reminded me of the two huge Boteros in my favorite shopping mall, <laughs> Columbus Circle. Oh my god, <laughs> I love them. Uh, um, no, it's for a magazine for high net worth individuals. So when it comes out, <laughs> um, will I will I be able to uh, leaf through it on my flight to Mexico City next week? I think it could be there if you're in premium <laughs> economy or higher. <laughs> I am. I actually i I've accumulated so many credit card points oh my God, uh, during COVID that I just I upgraded my. It was such a it was such a minimal upgrade to first class. It was like eighty dollars just so you can check a bag. Oh my god, amazing! But so technically speaking, I'm gonna fly first class. But it's Bitch. It's, it's, <laughs> it's only by name. It was a, it was an eighty dollar upgrade. But it's like it's such a short flight. It's not like real first class. It's oh, not. It's, like, there's no lay it, flat seats. No, no, it's not a real first class. But it's also not a short short flight at all. Okay. It's like six hours. It's like going to. Oh. Like, what kind of aircraft are you on? Is it like a A320, a 737? Oh Keep talking while I look it up. I'm, I'm an aviation dork. So, okay, are, if, yeah. if, if you're on a 737 or an A320, it will be an elevated experience, but you will not be laying flat at any point in your flight. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're on like... An- 757. Oh, there there's like potential for a lay flat seat. One second. What airline really? are you on? I'm going to uh, seek Delta. guru. I'm going to seekguru.com right now. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm sitting in seat. Uh, where was it? Something obnoxious. Five one like A. 1A. <laughs> five D. I think. Okay. Wait. Let me see. Delta. What date is your flight? Oh, I'm in three A. Sorry, first class seat. I'm bitch. on the. Uh, I don't want to divulge all that information. Some crazy oh uh, person will <laughs> show up in my house or at the airport. They'll get we your ticket. Start, I, honestly, I'm surprised. Like uh, we've been starting to get some like loonies commenting on our very lightly followed Instagram <laughs> account, like uh, coming out of the woodworks. How does that? How does that happen? It's almost like the inertia of uh, starting a podcast. You attract the crazies. Yeah. So I've had to delete uh, posts this week. Oh, same. Yeah um like what's wrong with people i don't want to give anyone any attention but i'm gonna fucking call the fbi and i'm not joking so watch yourself (laughs) you crazy ted kaczynski yeah i'm not playing seriously if (laughs) if you want to try me fucking try me bitch yeah which i can sit on you (laughs) exactly (laughs) um okay i'm looking up your thing is it from JFK? Yeah. Anyways, in the meantime, I'll tell our listeners that I'll be out next week unless we figure out some like alternative recording schedule. I'm going down to Mexico City for a show. Uh, I'm in and to finally meet the Mexican side of the Mexican New York gallery um, I work with and I'm extremely excited for the very tight schedule so excited for you they put together it's like a state visit itinerary (laughs) 
Um, I'm also going to have to put put the uh, pause on my intermittent fasting because, <laughs> come on, new Cause, city. Because there's a Al Pastor to enjoy. Yeah, I just hope I don't pass out <laughs> from like overexerting myself. Do you realize the altitude of Mexico City? Oh my it's God, like 7,000 feet. Oh my God. You're it's like, like altitude than, training. You're like a high performance athlete now. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's it's higher up than Colorado. Uh, oh God. Yeah. I just hope I, I get some color. I've been very royal in my paciness. <laughs> oh, amazing. I'm so happy for you. That's so exciting. I can't wait to go one day. Uh, you will very soon. Yeah, I will. I'm excited. We'll have a Mexican rum spring of our own. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and how long are you going for again? Uh, I'm going for six days, and then I'm coming back, oh, nice. and then I'm, uh, fingers crossed, I'm going to Israel. Oh, crossing um, everything. I, I hope they let me in. But it's amazing. That it's The nice thing about going to Mexico is that it's, you know, there's no jet lag. It's a very t- similar time zone situation, oh, but you're yeah. going to a very different place than where you normally live. So Yeah, I can't wait to sweat in the daytime oh, and not out of anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah oh, exciting Alrighty. are you looking up the secret thing or should we wrap it up uh oh we'll talk about this privately <laughs> okay good. we we don't we don't need anyone at the gate with a taser no nope. um <laughs> okay all right well it was nice uh chatting with you <laughs> nice chatting with you amir hasta la vista Sean. hasta la vista <laughs> baby <laughs> Thank you.